Shaquille O'Neal did a tour of Greece for the NBA, mm-hmm. and someone asked him, hey, how did you enjoy the Parthenon? And he said, I didn't go clubbing in Greece. And everyone <laughs> made fun of him, but little did he know, he's actually a prophet Whoa. and foresaw <laughs> the naturally Nashville after party. This is Bungerda Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Bongarda Podcast. Today we're talking to the judges of Nutch de Nashville 2022, Nena, Buja, and Umer. Howie was unable to record in time because he's a Foodoo Friday. Also, just a note, we did have to record some of the judges, specifically Nena, separately from Umer and Buja, so do mind the jumping back and forth with the audio. One more thing, next week we're going to be releasing an episode with the judges from Bongarda at the Alamo aka Bata. So if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening so that you can get it as soon as we drop. And with that, let's jump into it. Um, anyway, so this gets started. What were your expectations going into Nash Nashville? Um, I think that, so not that long before Nashville, I judged ECS and I think like one of the things that I was really pleasantly surprised after ECS um, was that I felt like team set the bar pretty high in terms of just like showing that collegiate teams especially right now have a lot of like creativity and kind of milling about in their brains and looking for places to put it in their sets and that was really promising um I think that I was looking for a lot of that and I also expected which I think did end up being the case um a lot of teams were going to be using Nashville as like a springboard for blowout so was expecting to see a lot of sets that had really been like worked on quite a lot had been iterated on and um should be hopefully pretty close to what you would want to present as a final product for your season okay. yeah i'll echo that um i was really looking forward to to nashville especially because i was supposed to judge a couple years ago um and got canceled like right before covid um but i was super excited to see see the teams um after like a proper you know semester semester and a half of training um and yeah it was it was a solid show so that was that was the expectation was that was that the reality of the situation (laughs) (laughs) um i think that the spread was pretty big across the board in terms of like the performance of the teams and how well they did on different categories of the rubric um I will say that, like, of the teams going to blow out, a lot of them, like, did do quite well against that rubric. So that was really great to see. I think that Nashville is also accomplished that rewarded creativity. And, like, they, you know, when we spoke to the board, such as ahead of time, they said they wanted to place a greater emphasis on risk-taking and creativity than maybe other competitions do. Um, and so definitely saw a lot of that creativity. I was talking about an ECS where, like, people just throwing things out there seeing what's stuck right. and i think that's always on a nashville rubric it's better to do that than play it safe so it was good to see people doing that so what is yeah one thing that stuck out to me was like a lot of these teams had much better stage presence than like i was expecting like a lot of these dancers are like really showing how much they love the dance and like that was super refreshing to see um especially because like i wasn't going into it expecting that level so that was really nice what was what is the nashville rubric 
And also what, not only what, what is the national rubric as in what is on the breakdown, but what did the competition communicate to you guys as judges? The national rubric had 15 points for creativity of choreography and 15 points for creativity information. So those were broken out to separately equally weighted categories. There was also 10 points for cohesion, 10 points for risk, 10 points for sync, 10 points for energy and presence, and 10 points for form. So all of those things were each weighted 10. Um, and I just I should have I should have broken that down. Cohesion and risk were under set design, whereas sync, energy, presence, form, as well as formation, execution, and nakre were weighted five and ten respectively. All of those were under technical elements, and then there was an additional 10 points for um, overall impression. Yeah, I've never seen Nakre actually in a rubric before. That's interesting. It's new. I think it's not usually kind of sectioned out into its own category. A lot of times it's in with energy and presence. Um, but that was something the committee wanted. It's like their own category that they wanted us to judge separately and assign points to separately. Interesting. So it's, it is 50 points artistic, creative, artistic, uh, 45 technical, and then 10 for over, overall impression. So it seems like it's slightly leaned. Like if I think about it, is it good? Well, well, let me, I, I look at this rubric and I see artistic plus wow factor is 60 points and then technical elements yep. is 45. Is that yep. what the the competition committee communicated to the whole judges panel? And what were your takeaways in terms of what, like a, what a first place team would look like? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that is what was communicated to us. Like we went through a couple iterations of this rubric and um, ultimately the committee wrote the rubric and assigned the points but you know part of the iteration process was you know we first got the rubric from them and we just kind of were like hey like what you're saying does not match what's on these point values here right so the first iteration was just like what do you guys want from a first place team right and they said they wanted they obviously want like to see good dancing and I think that's important but the most important thing for them was that people try new things and be risky and they wanted to promote creativity the same way that like people think of you know cleveland or bruin as um promoting creativity on the larger circuit they wanted to have that kind of identity as a comp within the collegiate circuit specifically because they are a collegiate comp so that was i think what they were heavily leaning towards at the same time i think you know the reason it's 60 points versus 45 points and not like you know 75 points versus 25 points is because I think that they understood that there was a certain number of tactical elements that they're called here that you can't really not put on a rubric like you can't really not put formation execution on a rubric but it's not the thing that they were most concerned about so it's on there but it's like five points as opposed to like the 15 that would go into the actual creativity of the formations so you know, I'm not going to go through every single point, but roughly that was kind of what went into structuring this rubric and where you add some points, takeaway points, and committee decided this is how they wanted to go with it. And yeah, judges judges were aware of that. We went through the process with them. Yeah. So UNC, you know, one, it seemed like they were a slight cut above everyone else. And some of the remarks were focused on set design. What stood out? 
from what stood out in regards to UNC set design versus everyone else? I think the thing is that like, again, if you look at the scores, every judge had them a little differently, but UNC was like towards the top of the lineup for everybody. Um, if you look at everyone's scores on the whole, UNC came out ahead in formation creativity specifically, and then cohesion. Um, in terms of my own scores, UNC did score highest by like a tiny bit when it came to that first section of creativity between choreo and formations. Um, but like they didn't have the highest when it came to like the set design. Um, they were up there, but they weren't the highest. Um, I believe for me, Georgia Tech had beat them out. And um, I think Birmingham did too. I have to look at my, um, to look at my scores a little more closely here. But um, I think what stood out was specifically that. It was like their formations, the reason that they came out ahead there was because that they had put a lot of thought into like coming up with different formations that, you know, we either hadn't seen before. I think the other thing to note here is that on the rubric, creativity of formations um, specifically has like a note in there on the rubric about like did formations enhance choreography, right? So I think for me, that was one thing that stuck out with UNC's. I really felt like the choreo informations went together really well. And this is a really common thing that like you see collegiate teams struggling with. They go through the process a lot of times, especially newer captains of making choreo separately from formations and trying to kind of retroactively stick them together. And that doesn't always work. doesn't always flow very well. I would say UNC put on a really well-rounded performance in Nashville. In terms of creativity specifically, I don't think there's something that made them particularly unique in my eyes or set them super far ahead in terms of set design. I think I had Georgia Tech right up there as well. Um, like they, they weren't so far ahead in, in that aspect. I think, you know, they had some cool move variations they built really nice moments but it was it was really their um execution that went hand in hand with their set design that put them at the top at this competition i would say that the reason that they won even though this is a create more creative competition they won because they were the they had the most poise most composure and like best overall top to bottom their execution was the best overall okay conversely uh, it seems like some teams may have been boring. Like BBB may have been boring. I don't think the BBB was boring. Um, I think they actually scored pretty well, especially if you look at like the judges overall. Like they got number one in risk, um, and they were I think third in choreo creativity. So, you know, in terms of like how enjoyable their set was it depends on like what you're talking about but like which particular category but again like them being boring or not boring is not really the point right it's like that's you start talking about like as an audience member how enjoyable was bbb set as an audience member and a lot of fun watching it but like that's not my job that night my job is not to sit in the audience and enjoy it my job is to score it um and so i think on this rubric like i said risk that came away with like a lot of a lot of points there they did really well um i do think that i mean look if you look at the scores there is the same like 
four five teams clustered in and out of like the top three in all these categories right it was just a question of like who did the best in the categories that were weighted the highest on this rubric right it was super important to nail those 10 points for risk right but you know bbb nailed the risk section and then you look at formation creativity which was weighted 15 points not 10 right and they're a lot further down the list so on the whole enjoyable set um but their execution was not up to snuff with you know the placing teams so bbb listen they were great they had really creative stuff but like and i told them this like straight up during the judges meeting there are too many conflicting personalities on that team for them to place in any competition personalities like, is in people or is in like the way they dance dancing the, the way they dance okay. so the what i would say is that i specifically remember during jumer like like there's a black guy the red guy and like the yellow guy or um, they're all at the front, but then they're all approaching every single Jumur step differently. So, like, they're making different faces. They're looking at, like, different parts of the crowd. They're, like, they're all, like, attacking the step differently. And it's, like, super jarring because I'm just like, oh, man, like, who am I supposed to be looking at right now? Where am I supposed to be looking at? There's another point where, like, I can't remember exactly where, but I, like, just, like, there's just like, multiple times on the on my notes I said red chill, red chill, red chill, red chill. Because, like, they're not in the front, they're out to the side a little bit, towards a little bit in, like, in the middle of stage. And they're, like, doing some extra head stuff. And I'm just like, dude, you are dist literally distracting me from the rest of the performance. Like, it's not a, a cohesive performance. And that is what happened a lot with BBB. Again, cool creative ideas, impactful stuff. Like, it was a good performance. But because of the fact of how everybody was dancing and real... It, from like the BTF days, it, it it looked like a common refrain I've heard when I was a younger dancer. It's like I'm just like, I'm here dancing on stage so I can get my BTF shout out from some random person on the internet. Like it looked like everybody was trying to dance, like try to get like best dancer, but in trying to do that, they all lost because they were all trying to like get that memorable moment, but it just like worked against the whole performance. Yeah, no, that's fair. You don't need to tell me twice. Actually, you might be able to tell me twice. That's that's definitely been a problem in the past. Um, if you were so like, so I, I so speak a little bit more around enjoyability and the maturity aspect. That seems to be really good advice for some teams. What are some other pieces of advice that you'd give to teams that performed? Um, I think that. You know, a lot of teams, when we were in the judges' meetings, we were asking from the perspective of, like, either they have, like, one comp left, like, blowout, or they're in the position where they're trying to kind of hand the team off to the incoming captains. And so everyone's very, like, forward-looking with their sets right now. They're like, well, how can we iterate on top of this? And I think that some of the advice that popped up a couple times, especially in the context of Nashville and, and you know, blowout, was this idea of, like, how can we be more risky? What does that mean to be more risky? Um, and I would say that read your rubrics. I would say read your rubric and understand what's on that rubric over and over again. Judges will see in the pre-judges, uh, pre-comp meeting, you know, we have that meeting and we say, hey, if you have questions, let us know. And people don't ask questions. And like, I get it because I think like, you know, when I was in 
collegiate dancer, I don't think I knew what those meetings were for, what questions I should ask, because I just thought like, well, this is the rubric. It's already been decided by people who know more about this than I do. Therefore, like, what could I possibly ask them? But I think that like, that meeting is not for you to question the judges in terms of like question the competent judges, like, you know, knowledge. It's to actually inform your understanding and make sure that you go into this competition with the proper understanding of what these words that we use at every competition mean at this competition. At this competition, for example, um, just because I mentioned it earlier, I'm going to say it again, right? Like, at this competition, formation creativity included how well formations complement choreography. That is not necessarily going to be a point at a different competition. That's not necessarily the category that that point's going to fall under a different competition. If you're confused by that, if this is the first time you've seen that, you want to make sure that that is what that, you know, category means. That's what you ask in that meeting. If you want to understand how are risk and creativity defined separately, if you think of them as one thing, but you see in this rubric that they're being, you know, assigned points separately, don't assume that if you do one, you'll get the points for both. Ask and clarify how those things are different. Because I think that was something that we got asked a lot about in judges meeting. And I think that that's like stuff that people want to understand. And I think they deserve to understand. They just right. need to ask before the comp, not after the comp. Okay, did anyone did anyone ask before? I don't think we got asked any questions about like point values and like, you know, meetings of things on the rubrics. We got asked maybe like one or two questions, if I remember correctly. But a lot of it was just like clarifying like words and like verbiage. But, you know, not really asking about design decisions about the rubric. Um, instead we get questions like, will you take off points for there being markers? Um, what do you want us to do with a sub logs? And like, listen, those are great questions, especially coming from like, you know, younger teams that are like maybe competing for the first time or like, don't really know how, you know, want to make sure that they're doing the right things respectfully and like are, you know, competition ready for all the unexpected things, whatever. I don't think that those are stupid questions. I just think it's not a good use of your time to use a judges meeting for that. That's the kind of stuff that you can like right. hit up someone afterwards, hit up someone before, hit up someone that doesn't have anything to do with the comp. But at the comp judges meeting, you have to ask questions about the comp. Okay. So what, so what, uh, what differentiated, I guess, what, what differentiated the teams? Or maybe, maybe the better question is, were there any teams that stood out for not being creative or not taking any risks or being boring? so the major the major contention for placings was kind of first and like actually like it was again like i'm gonna reiterate this was this competition was like super super tight um unc getting 87.75 virginia tech getting 86.375 georgia tech getting 84.5 and uva getting 84.375 top four placings were like a point up like two three points apart the lowest then it was a very, it was very hard to deliberate between these. And at the end of the day, we went, we went with points because mm -hmm. we really couldn't, like, we read, we are at a stalemate. Um, exactly. I think we all agreed that like UNC probably should have gone first. Um, and then it came to second and third and it was, everybody had some combination of Virginia Tech, UVA and Georgia Tech. So UNC, they would. Definitely 
benefit from just, I'm told them this during the, uh, the judge's meeting too, but it seems like they're bored with their set, that they've done this set multiple times at this point. And so they're kind of coasting the entire time rather than like really turning it on and be like, no, this is a performance. No, we're competing. Oh shit. Like we have to like win. And I didn't really see that drive and that like enjoyment of the set or the performance during that. And I think that is probably the one thing that like a lot of viewers will say like, hey, man, like UNC was boring. UNC like wasn't that great. But like the thing is, and they, they were the cleanest, they, they were probably one of the cleanest teams of the night and they had the most overall like execution. And so that's what helped them a lot. And so that's what significantly like put them over the other teams. And um yeah mm -hmm. i would agree with that uh they're very comfortable with their dancing and, and that means like they really gotta explode with it at their next comp to to lock in that standing i would say uh georgia tech was um was solid they're in a really good position going forward and omar i know you'll have your own yeah. thoughts to add on to this um but their their energy their josh is like through the roof. It was, it was like a lot of fun watching them. Um, I would just say that that was also a little bit of their downfall because they get super rowdy at times and, and that tends to make them look out of control. Um, so working on that cleanliness and, and, um, you know, move completion aspect of it, synchronization, that's where like their biggest, uh, room for improvement is. Um, yeah, that's, that's man, I'm, I've never seen, I've never heard a team. Dude, no, like in all honesty, like first. one thing I really liked about Georgia Tech and personally, like I, I understand like uh, I had differences with the, from the panel. There are seldom times I look at a team and I'm just like, wow, they got really nice wide during their Tatamakas. And like I, I wrote at the end when they did their, like they, they like, landed and like dropped in shawl i was like oh shit they're all rectangles like i don't see that often and that got like like their basic forms was really really good they had a really good energy what's up wait say it again what shape they had a rectangle really they made cool a rectangle with the shawl so that before Shut they up, were man. square they became a rectangle all, wanted, all rectangles know, are like... squares not all squares are rectangles or whatever the hell it is backwards vice versa whatever point being is that Throughout the, throughout the set, from like beginning to the very end, their form was on point. Now, was it uncontrolled at times? Absolutely. During Kunde, when they're coming to the front, like the two, like there's, for most of the set, whenever there was like a really hard hitting drop, it's like one, two, maybe three people coming to the front center. And, you know, when like three of them are all hitting it like slightly differently, impact's going to go down, go, like execution's going to go down, sync is going to go down. But nonetheless, I will say that they hit it hard and they hit it really impactfully and like they had really good range of motion and they looked very strong and like the when when we were talking about like uh Jordan Tech being rowdy that's what i would say it was i think that personally that was the thing that really set me set them apart from a lot of the other teams it was just like they were the only team there that per, like that i felt like actually wanted to win um so when we're touched on BBB already so maybe i could talk about uva just looking through my scores personally like i said before they were just half a point um behind georgia tech or not even point one wow. two five in the average yeah well um, 
But yeah, 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 every every category was just slightly slightly weaker than like the other placing teams. Um, specifically, I would call out creo- creativity and nakre or or stage presence. Um, so like every every aspect of it, if they just dialed it up a little more, they you know would have blown us away. I really I, I enjoyed their set. Um, they're good dancers, and, and the progress they've made uh, since Berg was like unreal. Um, so, really looking forward to what they bring out at uh, the next one. Yeah, for UVA, for UVA, like, like when I do like point one two five overall average is so damn small. Like, it's hard for me to say like that's the one reason why mm-hmm. you lost at all. Um, but I can tell you specifically like some stuff that I wrote down. Uh, like they had some cool moments. Like they had this like whole like guitar guitar session in the, in the middle of the, the mall. They had did like an air guitar. Like they were, they had like cool ideas and stuff like that. But I think for, personally for me, what really killed it for them is probably their end segment. Like everybody was dying and everybody's legs were arm and arms were just dropping. And like you can't let the last impression on the judge to be you dying because that's like and I I, sp- I think I they asked like during the judges meeting, like what are pet peeves and i specifically said like yo don't die at the end of your set like that's not unacceptable and yeah like there there couldn't there's a like if i watched performance again i could probably go through like a bunch of things but overall like they just it it is hard for me to tell you what exactly is going to get you that 0.125 points yeah but i don't know if it's really about that right it's not so much about like the individual points of the rib break it's it's like more meta than that, right? Like, did Virginia Tech resemble a team that would do well on this rubric in comparison to everybody else? And the answer is, yes, it they did, but it just it was what they did because. Um, what are some things as a team? Like, what are what are some pieces of advice you give to a team, maybe during the judges meeting or some other spaces, to drive greater clarity as to how they should build their sets and actually be successful this is something i said during to a few of the teams because there were some teams like uh, i'll call out bbb as an example of this they have really cool ideas i think i had them as one of the more riskier and creative teams of the night but the thing is is that like there is and i think and sid said this during the ndc podcast and i think and i agree with him when he says this is like there is a level of creative, like execution required to sell a lot of creative ideas. So, and there's a certain threshold you need to have. So, if you aren't a certain level of cleanliness, it doesn't matter how creative your ideas are. Like fair. they they won't get they won't get through. And I think a, a few of the teams at this competition got hurt because of that because their execution wasn't there. Then the impact, like I wasn't able to fully understand what was going on on stage and because i wasn't able to fully go understand going on stage i can't give you points on creativity i can't give you points on impact um and i can't give you points on cohesion and so yes have your creative ideas it's awesome to have those creative ideas but at the same time you got to remember like i need to be able to understand it the first time i'm watching it and if your execution is sloppy enough to the point where i it, it's mm-hmm. ambiguous you're you're losing and I think that's what I would say to a bunch of the teams tonight. And that, again, that's what, unfor- like, p- people might be, like, weirded out by UNC winning again with a, rel- like, what they might consider a boring set. But the thing is that I can only give points to 
to performances, to segments, to ideas that I can understand on the first time watching. Yeah, and going off of that too, like what successful teams are able to do is is have something that is a defining moment in each segment. Every segment, you know, has a purpose and leaves an impression in its own way, whether that be, you know, a memorable drop or like a really cool formational mechanism or, or you know, just, just plain and simple, good dancing, Josh, um, Nakra, whatever it is, like each segment builds up um, that team's identity. And that's what um, successful teams were able to do at this comp. So that's what I would, I would tell, you know, teams to try to focus on is like, have every segment mean something, have even every move, everything you do should be part of this overall puzzle. Um, um, what would you say to people who are dancing out there to get them picked as best dancer? Dude, shut up. <laughs> no, like, like, it's like, listen, I never care. I'll be totally honest with you. I'm usually like somebody else will say something and then it, they'll, and I'll just say like, yeah, sure. Go for it. I, I never care about best dancer. Um, Oftentimes, if you're the best dancer, on, if you get picked as best dancer, it was because you stuck out a little bit and you were like really, really good on like a bad team. And so therefore, or like your team was like kind of like out there. So yeah, because if your team, theoretically, like if you, your team is really, really good one to 12, you guys all kind of like stick together cohesively and you're not going to be like super, super memorable as like a single dancer because you're a part of a unit. If you get picked, so I don't know. I, again, I never really care. Um, I wouldn't put a lot of stock into like saying, like it's hype if you got best dancer, like congratulations. Uh, I'm not trying to shit on you at all, but like, I think people- Tell them how you really feel. Listen, I like, I don't know judges who like really spend a lot of time picking best dancer. Like we, like it is, it is an afterthought five minutes once placings are done. I'd agree. There's a, there's a lot to focus on in that limited time that I was saying. So, it, yeah, it really just comes down to who left an impression, whose eyes were, who who were your eyes drawn to, you know, more than a few times, and who was able to captivate that attention amongst all the different things that you're juggling during that time. So, you know, they they might not have to have the best Nakrav the Night or, like, Vendasanga or whatever it is, but as a package, like, um, who caught your eye? And... Again, a lot of the best dancers I know personally, like, have never won this award, but yeah. they're still sick. So if you win, great, congrats. But if you don't, you're still sick. In two to three sentences, a short summary of the team that won Nutch in Nashville, what would it be? I think even though Nashville was a comp that waited risk and creativity more heavily than technical elements the winning team outdanced other teams and scored more points in the technical portion of the rubric where they made up the points that they lost to other teams in artistic elements and set design fascinating it always it's just it's funny that it always ends up working out that way for the it doesn't it doesn't. It didn't work out that way at Cleveland. Oh. Wow. Wow. That's really what they, that's really what they talked about on that podcast, right? And I think that that was like, anyone who hasn't listened to that podcast needs to listen to that podcast because 
obviously like everyone's really interested in the drama from like Cleveland but more than that they gave such a good breakdown of just like what goes into a rubric I know we've talked about you know the process of judging on right. this podcast more than once before but they broke down the NDC rubric so well and went you know category by category and explained for everyone's benefit not just the teams there what goes into deciding what gets scored in what way and yes every comp is going to be different they're not all going to be like Cleveland but you know to your point just now about like you know how do you how 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 would a team that like danced really well but didn't score the best in artistic sections win at an artistically weighted comp? Well, this is how because that's the way the split was. That's not going to be the case at a comp like NDC. They didn't make the rubric that way. It's also not probably not going to be the case at a, t- at a comp like Blowout. Or sorry, not Blowout. Bruin at Bruin. Bruin doesn't make the rubric that way either. But when you have a 50-50 split or a sixty forty split, and it's not just that like. To be clear, UNC did not, like, blow everyone out of the water with their dancing. They just won by enough. Yeah. And the thing is that when you go into deliberation and everyone has on their score sheets the same team as first place by points, what is there to deliberate? Right. Right? Because, you know, if everyone has scored to the rubric, which we discussed and everyone had the same understanding of what the points meant, then on this rubric, everyone has given the same team first place. That does not go to a deliberation then in our case because no one had a good reason to knock UNC out of first place other than what we didn't feel like it we didn't feel like they you know were the most creative team of the night no we didn't but they got the points that makes sense hey as a judge when you look at competitions like Dutch the Nashville and you hear some of the feedback and you know some of the criticism right or wrong what are some things or what is a thing that you could see improved as part of the overall judging process? The biggest thing that determines whether a team is mad at the end of the night isn't always the judging results, but it is how it's communicated to the teams and further clarification and communication between judges and teams is always going to help that. Cause personally, like I've given team, like I've given teams like brutal news judging and, but I usually always able to tell them like, Hey, listen, like this is exactly where on the rubric, this is why it happened. And this is what you need to improve. Whenever I explain that most people are like fine with it afterwards. So any way to do that, that's great. Whether that's like, I personally, like I pretty much give everybody like, yo, please like, you know, hit me up on hit the. DM me, like, we'll set up a time to talk. Like, I'm more than done happy, more than happy to. I know, like, one of the BBB kids, I've, like, been helping, te- like, helping him with his form for the past, like, a year and a half. Just, like, he'll, like, send me, like, hey, can you, like, check my Tamaka and see if this is cool? And I, like, whenever I get some time, I do that. So, like, you can hit up, you can hit up people who are in the circuit and ask. But, yeah. I think that... You know, one thing that I've been thinking about um, that I, you know, I I listened to the Cleveland podcast and I think that one thing that was cool that it sounds like, you know, they did when they had their judges meeting was that they kind of preemptively ran down the rubric and said, this is why we broke everything out into everything that we did. Um, I don't know that that's always possible because honestly, boards don't 
always let judges either be as much of a part of the process or don't give them as much heads up. Um, NBC was good that way, where judges had like a lot of time and um, were very much part of the process. But yeah, I would think that that, especially, especially with younger competitions and younger teams, um, I think giving teams like a little bit of help off the bat before the comp and just kind of letting them know like yes we put this rubric in your hand just to be clear this is what the rubric means this is what it's looking for so to kind of preempt some of that um which does put a little bit of onus both on judges and boards i think that's really important to remember too that like competition boards are a huge part of this and are a much stronger uh force in these decisions and people realize not in the judging itself obviously but just in terms of like deciding what kinds of sets and what kinds of points values are going into this stuff like right. that is not on judges most of the time that is on the comp oh we're done oh um <laughs> i think yeah dude most of my complaints are not about the judging process right now right i think okay, i think the other thing that just like connected tissue between Organizers through judges to teams. Straw that yes. vertical integration. Someone like I someone mentioned the, on Instagram, we need verticalized integration of everything for success. No, I'm kidding. It's the actually I, I think I think hearing I think hearing a lot of the feedback about like, oh, this team got robbed, this team should have placed whatever it is. Like I I think you know, the podcast that comes out after these comps now is like hugely helpful i think because it helps people understand that like it, it stops making judging like a black box where you just get an answer and you just have to live with it forever right. to be clear the teams do not have to live with it forever and just never get any answers they can reach out to us they do reach out to this i've already spoken to teams from uh nashville since you know being at the comp um so that line of communication is not closed to teams. Right. Now, to people in general who are watching the competition and have their feelings about it, I get it. I do. I have been in those shoes many, many times where, you know, I didn't necessarily agree with the placings. But I think if you talk to pretty much any judge, most of them will say this, that, like, when they started judging, they realized how different it is to watch a competition as a judge, as an audience member your brain is just completely looking at it from a different perspective. Um, and so, you know, to say like, oh, the judges messed up. The judges don't know what they saw. The judges didn't judge to the rubric. Unless you have the rubric in front of you and you looked over that rubric and you practiced on that rubric, that's not really necessarily true or fair. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying like, hey, well, you know, I know this team won, but I thought this team was the best. Or I thought, you know, I enjoyed this performance the most, whatever it was. But that's different because that's subjective. And what judges are trying to do is they're trying to take a subjective thing like an art form and they're trying to make it objective on this rubric. The same exact competition, the same lineup on the same night, with a different rubric right. can produce different placings. It shouldn't produce different placings with different judges, at least not by too much, especially if everyone's judging to the rubric. There's obviously some fudge factor because people notice different things. People, you know, have different experiences and styles. But like, if you're judging to a rubric, 
you're going into a rubric. It has nothing to do with the judge themselves. I think that's something that's like severely misunderstood. And I don't think it's people's fault, really. I think, you know, people are making personal attacks on judges. That's on them. And I hope you find some peace. But people who are saying that, you know, oh, I don't understand how judges could have seen this or that or come to some conclusion. I get it. It's confusing. But, you know, it's confusing because you don't have the same rubric in front of you going through the same process of watching the competition the judges are. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Bungarda Podcast. If you like the episode, the best way to help us out is to share this with a friend. Also, next week, we'll be having the judges from Bungarda at the Alamo. So if you you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening so you can get it as soon as we drop. <laughs>